Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. For a lot of boomers, caring for a loved one often involves taking care of a parent, but a lot of us are also busy caring for other family members. And today, we're going to hear from someone who is doing just that. Jean Boyer lives in Picayune, Mississippi, which is in the southwest part of Mississippi, near the Mississippi-Louisiana border. And Jean, you're a school teacher, and you're out for the summer. Were you raised in Mississippi? Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, no, ma'am. Um, born in New Orleans, raised in Metairie, um, lived for about 30 years in St. Charles Parish, and recently moved to Picayune. And how long have you been teaching? Of... Ooh, since 1989. Oh, okay. And what do you teach? Uh, middle school. I do the standardized testing when the teachers need someone to um, go over their class when they're in meetings and stuff. I, I do that as well. Okay, so that's grades, it's been a while for me, six through... Oh, six, seven, eight, six, yes, ma'am. Six, seven, and eight, okay. And um, as I understand it, Picayune is a pretty small town, right? It's got more than one stoplight. It's not your standard Mayberry, but once you go into downtown, the courthouse with the wide porch, uh-huh. where you can just picture the mayor sitting up there and, and talking in the city hall... It's it's pretty picturesque. I believe we're known for as a retirement community, oh. one of the top places to retire. Mm-hmm. And if you like pickles, we're famous for Nichols pickles. You gotta Google that. M I C K L E S Nichols pickles. Best darn pickles on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about your situation caring for Jamie? Tell me about yeah. that. For our listeners, I should say that Jean requested certain parts of her background to be kept confidential. But to put this in context, she's divorced and for the past couple of years has been in a committed relationship with Mike, a former boyfriend who looked her up after 38 years. The two of them are now caring for Mike's daughter, Jamie. Yeah, when Mike found me after 38 years, um, you know when you get together, you're like, okay, you know, you know, how's your life? And he had a daughter, he has a daughter who's 30. Mm-hmm. and um, she had brain tumors when she was, like, eight, mm-hmm. along with other medical problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike was a single father raising her, and um, she has liver cirrhosis, and uh, she was insulin-dependent diabetes. She had shunts, catheters. You name it, she had it. So when I met him, along with Mike King, Jamie, you know, they were like a fine-tuned package. So... All I knew is that she went into the hospital a couple times a year, and she was always going to the doctor. I see. Pretty much that's what I knew about her. I see. Um, so Mike yeah. Mike uh, is is the, guy, the man in your life, and he's a wonderful man, and you're devoted yeah. to him, and you're devoted to Jamie. And you also yeah. have a full-time job. So um, 
your yeah. your caring for Jamie, um, Mike helps out with that, as I as I understand that. Absolutely, he's right. retired. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, okay. So he's retired. So, yeah. um, and do you have any other family family members helping you out, helping you care for her? No. It's just the two of you. Okay. And yeah. so now that you're not teaching during the summer, do you anticipate being involved more in caring for Jamie or just as much as you as, as you have up to well, this Well, I, I try to make every appointment, but like today she's going to the foot doctor, so I don't really need to be there because it was for something minor. Mm-hmm. But like the major appointments, the endocrinologist, um the the brain doctor, mm-hmm. the um, liver doctor, things like that. I make a point to take off school, so I'm involved totally, mm-hmm. and I and I make probably eighty percent of the doctor visits. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you: Do your um, bosses at work know that you're caring for uh, a daughter with medical problems? Absolutely. And, and they give Absolutely, you? Do they support yeah. you? How how do they support that? Do they give you flexible hours, or I mean, you're on a school schedule? I, so. We try we try to make doctors' appointments. Um, you know, it 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 really depends. I try to make them on when we have half a days. Or it, sometimes I work fifth grade at the elementary school and they get off at two fifteen. So I try to make it fit my schedule. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. So you're juggling. You're doing a little juggling there. Yeah. Um. I've been juggling since I've got the ticket. I'm still juggling. <laughs> you know, it, it, and it's funny that you say say that because I'm getting educated all the time. And you also, as a caregiver, you're, you're learning. You're learning the ins and outs of Medicare because when people have Medicare and um, Medicaid and they're on Humana, Humana is now going through one by one all of the prescriptions that we have for Jamie. And they're telling us that certain prescriptions are not on their preferred list, meaning they're not going to pay for it. Hmm. Hmm. So this presents a problem in caregiving because we're like, well, this has a refill. And why would you need a prior authorization when this has already been okayed by the doctor? Hmm. But in order to save them money, they're trying to get us to use other drugs. And when you have liver problems, there's only certain medications you can take that, you know, go along with it. So it's a challenge when I'm I'm at CVS every other day. They know me by name, and, and, you know, that's not always a good thing. But I'm an advocate as well as a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you do then in that situation where you're not able to um, fulfill a prescription that your doctor has given you, do you then go back to Humana and say, we need this? Or how do you handle that? Well, because she's over 18 and and because of the brain surgeries, I kind of, you know, on her behalf, not that that she needs me to, but I kind of just take the bull by the horns. And in in the medical world, down down south, Oshner, hospitals are, are pretty huge. They own a lot of hospitals out here. And you can go into what they call a my chart thing and you can it's kinda like texting inside. Online. You can text the doctor online, non medical uh-huh. and say, look, like this morning we had this me- medicine called Zyfax and X I F A X I N very expensive drug. Mm-hmm. I said, Look, uh, you know, I was going through her med, she was empty. Now she has no Zyfax in. We have refills, but they won't refill it because it needs a prior authorization. Mm-hmm. So can you help me understand why? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then another doctor, we're, we're having an issue with the Novolog insulin pen. 
because she she knew she was she was on insulin pump, so she recently went to the diabetic pen. And it's it's a challenge because we don't exactly know why her sugars are high. So here I am, I called CVS and I'm like, CVS, okay, how many units equal a carb? Because with the insulin pump, you could just put in what the sugars were and it automatically gave her so many units. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. when you're eating, you need to know how many carbs, but you only give so many. So my question to them again online is how many units equal a carb? Mm-hmm. So I can balance fine tune and balance out so it makes her sugars back to normal. So it's just it just seems it's always something. Being the caregiver, I mean I know one thing, it, it kinda it kinda puts everything to a screeching halt and it's like, you know, she's the most important person in the house. Mm-hmm. She needs to be taken care of. There's one of me, there's one of Mike, and together we we're a team. What's like an average week for you t- taking her to appointments? What is um, an average pretty week? Pretty much like? a week would be planning, um, planning the meals, planning the medicine. Um, we have occupational therapists that come. We have physical therapists that come. We have nurses that come. Humana comes. So it's kind of like an Amtrak train station, people coming in, people going out. (laughs) Let me ask you this. What sort of things do you think would be helpful to you in caring for Jamie? For instance, would you support it being mandatory to make respite services available for you? Where, where, well, you we know, do actually have respite services available. Mm-hmm. However, we have to recertify since we just got out of the hospital. And what respite services does for us when we have it, someone will come in two hours a day. They will clean. And, well, this isn't part of respite. This is part of the elderly and disabled waiver that's, that's also included with the respite. So we have someone that will come in two hours a day simply to give her a bath, to make sure her laundry is clean, you know, her personal area and things like that. Mm-hmm. Are you able to go out of the house yourself and take a break, just to, just get away from it for a while? When we have respite, we're able to. Right. But like right now, when we're in between, uh-huh. if Mike's here, I'll have to go when he's here. I see. So her main, uh, main challenges now are diabetes and mm-hmm. uh, what else? Liver cirrhosis, liver cirrhosis, um, and uh, a, b- a bunch of other things, but those are the major ones. That, that's a it, lot. it is a lot. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, if I yeah. sat here and listed every single thing, would be on the phone for five hours. Well, let me ask you how how has this affected your health, and what what do you do to de stress? Well, how it's affected my health is that when we were in the critical care unit, I gained seven pounds in a month that she was up in the critical care unit. I mean. From the highs to the lows to not knowing and, you know, there's, it's what they call caregiver stress. I actually went to the ER myself. Oh, my goodness. Um, I wasn't eating because she wasn't eating. And, and it's kind of like how they say when you're pregnant, your mate's pregnant too. Right. It's kind of like I was getting her characteristics. I was, I was so worried um, at that point when she went in, when she came out of the – she had three surgeries, three brain surgeries mm-hmm. in the month of um, April. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how I was trying to cope with it in the hospital 
was that nobody told me down on the third floor that you could take a shower. You know, that would have been nice. You know, there's a lot of miscommunication between the doctor and myself, a lot. That was my next you know, question. Did they give you any resources? Did they say, here's what you can do? Did they give you any counseling suggestions? Or what did they do? Oh, to they, they, will, they will tell you after. They've got this new system when you're in the hospital, and, and I don't know if it's only local or, or maybe you can chime in. When you're in the hospital with somebody, especially the hospitals here, um, you have to phone in what you want for lunch and, and place an order. And if you don't call in, you don't get fed. So we had major issues with the food thing. and uh, That's the last thing you need to I'm worry sorry. about when you're in yeah, a hospital. Yeah, I know. It's like, you know, I ended up bringing a jar of peanut butter, bringing <laughs> a few slices of bread, and paying 50 cents for a little thing of grape jelly. I had peanut butter and jelly. I saved myself $7 every meal. Oh, my goodness. I mean... Is this, know, is, this the, is, this the, is this the major hospital uh, in Picayune that yeah. you're at? Uh huh. No, you... no, 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 no. We were we were in a New Orleans hospital. Oh, okay. We okay. were in an Oshner hospital, and if you're from the New Orleans area, you know Oshner is like the conglomerate. They they they're taking over everything. How do you spell that? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, O C H S N E R Oshner Hospital, okay. and there's a whole bunch of them. They, they know the problem exists. So the problem I mean, is, is yeah. others are must be complaining about this, that the food is Absolutely, not being... Absolutely, yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. I mean, hmm. Hmm. You know, I even told them, I said, couldn't there be an app where we could just put in what we want and hit send? But anyway, you know, you, you've got this caregiver stress where you don't know what day it is, you don't know what time of day it is. They're coming in and out all hours of day and night, either getting blood, taking the CT scan... Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever it is. So you, any sleep that you get is not a quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got that. So anyway, the third day I ended up in the ER, and, and I hadn't slept in three days, and and uh, I had caregiver fatigue, they call it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a term, caregiver stress. Mm-hmm. Um, they put fluids in me. Oh, my goodness. And, and not just fluids, IV fluids, you know, that kind of thing. And did some blood work and everything was fine. I knew everything was fine. I was just stressed out. I mm-hmm. could have told them that. Mm-hmm. Did they suggest any place you could go for counseling? I didn't find out about support group until like maybe the 25th day I was there because they only do support groups once a month and then they don't do it at that hospital. They do it about 10 miles down the road from that hospital on off-site campus. How did you hear about that? Oh, there was a flyer on the wall, so I actually went. And what made it so great was that they actually had people who were in the hospital. Theirs was a long-term treatment facility for people who were in rehab or whatever that were were in a hospital like Jamie long-term, and they had those patients actually there talking about us. It's funny because when you're hearing it from the patient's, you want to hear what they have to say about the caregivers. I'm going to give you two things that are just, just adorable. One lady was in there. She was um, 40-something years old, and she was at work. She said in the bathroom, and she felt a pain in her chest. She was a stroke victim. So anyway, she was sharing how, how she had had a stroke, and she was in the rehab, and she said, yeah, and tell them about y'all caregivers. She says, don't y'all ever want to give us some privacy? <laughs> she says, y'all never want to leave us. Y'all always there by our side. 
you know, when we use the bathroom, you nag it, you know, you don't give us any privacy. Okay, that's number one. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other thing they said is when we tell you to leave, like, go get a break, do it. Don't you know we get tired of having you there just like you're tired of being there? She said she told her husband, why are you here? And she was dead serious. And he says, because I love you. I want to be here. And she's like, yes, but you need to get out and take care of you. So when you hear it from the patient point of view about the caregiver, I just thought that was hilarious. How many times did you go to the support group? Just once or twice? One. Just the yeah, once? Yeah, once a month. Okay. Yeah. Was that good for you? I mean, did you get something out of it? Um, I, I learned that I'm not alone. Yeah. And how I was feeling is totally acceptable. Because unless you know, it's, it's, it's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel stressed. Now, it's not okay to yell at someone or, or you know, I mean... It's not okay for me to get sick, but, you know, I would take two days and nights and Mike would take two days and nights. But hearing it from other people kind of like said to me, you know what? I felt like that. It is a sacrifice. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Does Does Jamie have any uh, operations coming up or is it now management? Are you back to management now? Um, none that we know of. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like... Over the, yeah, over the hump, but we're still going to have the occupational therapy and the physical therapy, and we'll get the rest of it, and then we'll be able to get time to ourselves and to go have a date or go do go us go to doctors and take care of ourselves, I said. <laughs> right. All that's on the back burner now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How is How are, how are her spirits holding up? Jamie holding oh, pretty up? Pretty good. You know, and this, and this is the thing. You ask her how she's doing, she will always say good, uh-huh. whether she is or not. Uh-huh. Um. She's always got an upbeat spirit. That's wonderful. And and it, and it is, you know, it, she's so innocent. You Aww. know, if you saw her, you would you would be like, she's an angel. She's been managing. Hall. She's been dealing with this for a long time. Yeah, you know, and, and she and, and she's able to tell us verbally, you know, even though she's had brain, you know, injuries and stuff with with the shunts and all that, you know, she's able to express verbally how she's doing, but. She'll say she's good even when she's not, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the brain tumors were diagnosed when she was around eight, you said? Yes. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. That's so young. That is, it is. But it's amazing that she's really still alive. I mean, to be blunt, you know, that she's bad she at that. She's got stage four liver cirrhosis, which they call NASH, which is non-alcoholic syndrome. I guess it's, I really don't know what it's from. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have plans in place for her future care? I mean. Do you have to make healthcare decisions as far as down the line? Are you facing- not at that point? Okay. Oh, um, um, her her dad has something in place if that were to come to that. Mm-hmm. But as long as she's able, you know, to sign for herself and mentally be there, then I guess you know we'll just deal with that when it happens. Mm-hmm. You've been through so much with Jamie. What piece of advice do you think you can give listeners who are juggling the demands of caring for a loved one like you are? You can never be prepared enough. It, it takes time, and not, not necessarily takes money, but it takes devotion. Don't give up. It's one day at a time. It's one battle at a time. It's one hill at a time. And once you go up that hill, you got, you're going to be able to go back down that hill. <laughs> uh, you need to be patient. And before you're going to commit 
And, and, and this might be something. You know, kind of like when you say, oh, I want to have a baby, but you don't really know what it's all about. Tell somebody out and say, hey, I want to take care of um, your mom for a day or just for an hour. Put yourself in the caregiver's shoes. Because people always say on the outside, oh, why don't you do this for Jamie? Why don't you do that for Jamie? And I always say on the inside, how do you know that I'm not doing that already? You don't live a day in my shoes. Why don't you come live a day in my shoes? And you'll know what it's like. So anyone who's planning on becoming a caregiver, before you commit to doing it, go and try it out. Go to a nursing home and, and give a caregiver a break. It's not seeing whether you like it or not. It is a demanding position, okay? So you're seeing if you're up for it. You know you've got blood, you've got stool. You know what I'm talking about. You've got all the gross stuff. But on the inside... You love that person, and you want to do whatever is possible to make their life better. And, and that's what caregiving is all about. It's a thankless, selfless act. So my advice is, if you're thinking about doing it, try it out. What about if you don't have a choice and you fall into it for someone who's just finding themselves all of a sudden this position? You can look at your local resources and see, what, see what's out there. I didn't know about the Elderly and Disabled Act in order to get um, respite. I didn't know about Meals on Wheels. There's lots of programs out there that can help you. So if, if you're in a situation where you're a caregiver, I guess my best advice would be is don't give up. Look at your options. If you have family members, share the love. Say, hey, I'll be here Monday, you'll be here Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, make it a group effort. If you're on your own, then you do the best you can. And God will provide the rest. That's the way I always went by, you know. You, like that little mighty choo-choo that could. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just got to keep on trucking. Keep on going. Oh, Gene Boyer, I salute you. <laughs> You're a hero. I salute you. And, and Mike, oh, the, t- you. the two of you, sounds like, are doing some amazing work for your daughter. And I really appreciate your being on this call. And... Godspeed. <laughs> Take care yes, of yourself. thank you. God okay? bless you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at jana at agewise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z. Or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at agewise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well. Age wise.